Welcome to a windy episode 77, the Run the Hills podcast sponsored by Chia Charge. Chia Charge have been fueling adventures with real food made with real ingredients since 2012. My goodness, that's like, wow, that's dirty. It's the age of my middle child. Crikey. That's a lot of chia seeds. Yeah, go and check them out at www.chiacharge.co.uk. Yeah, super windy over here, Eddie. Um, it's Too not- many baked beans? Mixed no, beans, We've got a double story. <laughs> I, do, I do love baked beans, actually. When um, we had a chat about toast and uh, Deb said about baked beans on toast. Oh, I love a baked bean. Do you know, if you buy a can here in Cafe, like down the English Isle, they're like six quid a can. <sighs> every so often, like every wow. couple of months, I'm like, kids, come on, let's crack open the tin. We've got a couple of tins in the cupboard for that real low emergency. And then if one of the kids goes, I don't like it, I'm like, you, Whoa. you enjoy that. It's like a euro a bean in there they don't it's not a yeah i don't think you don't get them in france and i don't even think they do them in the states i saw some one of these weird reaction videos about these uh, americans trying british food and baked beans was uh, one of them but yeah it's wonderful food but yeah mega windy personal wind it's nature's wind nature's wind yeah we two storms uh oh, i can't remember what they're called now but the the reality isn't as bad, at least for us anyway, as the forecast. But there's another one coming tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, it's it's funny. This is where hopefully the bike will come into play because some workouts just can't really happen when it's... Yeah, I've had a lot of whining on training peaks. of windy, <laughs> uh, trees down, too windy, yeah. done on treadmill, that sort of thing. Do you want to go first and catch up? It's extensive, listeners. Prepare for two hours worth of half-term whining. And Tim will tell me off going, you just talked about <laughs> Sorry about that. What's up? Oh, the dogs are so like the kids, aren't they? As soon as you start talking, they have to yeah. come around your ankles and start going, uh, yeah, better. Oh, yeah, I've had a super busy week. Exciting things. I was thinking, just as I was doing my treadmill session, that if you're watching this on YouTube and you're wondering why I have a slightly sheeny face and red, and I've tried to clip my hair back because it's so sweaty and I didn't have time to have a shower. Um, <laughs> it's half term. So I've been juggling the... Um, Yes, you can eat that. Again, like the children, they just come in and start like demanding food. Um, yeah, I've been I've I've been normally in February half term week, I take the week as like a deload so that I don't get stressed about trying to juggle the training and the, yeah. that was my plan, but maybe I've made a bit of a foolish error error. And because I had COVID in January, I looked back on like my hourly stats. So I like to try and build like do lo- I do loads and loads of hours of training in January, February and March. And then I almost half that as I go into running, because you can't run as much as you can ski and stuff. And I was like, oh. so I'm kind of feeling that I started a bit later. So I felt like I don't really, I'm okay. I feel good. I'm doing all my sessions, the volume's building. So I was like, I don't think I need to back off. Is yeah. this, I mean, that's the sort of thing that is the fatal last word, isn't it? When you get, I feel, I, I feel really good. <laughs> um, so I have been juggling um, the training. I've had some some week um, when I've had to go to Bryn, just get me, just tell me to go and get on the bike. Tell me to go and start it. Because then I procrastinate. Because when the kids are at school, like, like, like you do, we have our slot, like you get out that first slot in the morning and that's done. And then yeah. I have another slot, like just before I go and get them with, I have to do my training there. And then I get them and then it's kind of done. 
But when they're at home, I, I'm, uh, the slots are all out of place. Oh, so I find then, oh, I know, it blows my mind. And I hate not doing my session first thing in the morning and then having yeah. to do it at like seven o'clock. I really hate it. I don't like that. I, it's really good training as well like really good training to have to change things around to do things differently to do things when you don't want to do things to do things when you're like oh, i just had my lunch and i've got to go and do this or whatever <laughs> so making it all fit in and it's not like it's not what you'd find in the coaching manuals <laughs> like how to really push yourself right yeah. to the edge by edwina <laughs> um but it's also like kind of i find it like kind of like that grit and that determination to get stuff done and like sweating in my back room yeah it's like well this is ultra running this is you know these are the, these are the bits where the grind the grind. hustle the problem solving hustle the problems it's all like part of it which you know 99.9 percent of the population would be like can you not just you know sit down so this week has been busy but also what i've been doing i love though it gives me an anxiety is race admin trying to so i've booked i've booked a build-up race towards the spine challenges so my my year looks a little okay. bit now completely changed to what it was utmb ruined my life <laughs> So I got over that, as you know, within about a week. You're not over it, are you, really? I'm never going to be over it. So I've changed my year totally, which is fine, you know. Let's, let's roll with the punches. Just because you'd like decide you're going to do something, it's fine to go a different path. Yeah. Not ashamed. Um, but, you know, just because you decide on one boyfriend, it doesn't mean, you know, you can't, like... Back to when we were 40. Um, so I've totally changed. So, yeah. So I've entered the Spine Summer Challenger thinking... It's a great way to see the course. It's a great way to be out in the pen and way. It's a great way to practice the kit. And having talked to Debs as well, like get the impression from lots of people that done the spine, really the, the only way is by being out on the course and with the kit that you can, yeah. um, you, you, you learn to problem solve and you learn what you like. And you can only put yourself into the so far in that position when you're training, because there's always the caveat when you're training that you can stop and you can go home. Mm. Whereas once you're out there, you've got to work yeah, out okay my pack is rubbing my shoulders um you know oh pat that kit wrong you know and yeah. when you're training you just kind of like get on with it don't you whereas when you're actually racing so even just the mindset the prep for the race yeah, I think you, so you, yeah, brilliant. and so I've already started getting the pre-race anxiety of all like oh because it's a big deal when you're a mum as well because you've got to then I have to organize everything else so i'm yeah. starting early so i've booked the race i've booked accommodation before the race trying to find i'm not gonna have a car so then i've got to work out right how am i gonna get to the airport from here okay yeah. i've sorted that one out then i've got to fly then i where do i fly to and then i've got to get from the airport to the race start and then i can't be too Edale. far well i am i'm 10 miles from edale i'll sort that out then and in manchester isn't it really yeah so if we're gonna to fly to manchester, manchester sheffield yeah and then get to edale I think I can get train. You so I'm going to fly it. two days before because it's exhausting, the travel, because yeah. I'm going to have these big bags as well. So then I'm like, don't want to really be doing that thinking tomorrow morning, I've got to get up and run a hundred and plus miles. So yeah. I'm going to travel a few days early. So, but I think doing that all like loads of time before. So you've got time to sort of get your head around it as well. Yeah. yeah. I've sort of that. I've booked all my accommodation. I've booked a hotel at the end as well. Cause I, I started booking a hotel at the start at the end. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm not. That's just the sort of thing I do. I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm much further up north. Uh, and it's a K from the finish. I'm like, somebody might take me to the hotel at the end. 
some are like, or I'll start dragging my bag along the road and somebody might stop and say, what lady? It's illegal hitchhike, isn't it? And so I booked a hotel at the, all these little things I find just helps um, alleviate the, the start of the pre-race anxiety. I've started looking at kit, I've ordered my compass. Uh, we now have to have something. We have to have a poo shovel, Gary. Is that part of the kit? That's part of the kit, which I actually think is good because I've often thought that when I've been running, like you do like long trail races. I'm like, and I think, I'm sorry. I think men are worse than women at this. What happens if you Google poo shovel? What comes up? What are we looking at? Oh, no, I haven't. I just looked on the Facebook group and someone's found like a really lightweight one. And I'm like, I'm just going to get that one too. Um, But I'm like, it's totally right. Because if you think of like when there's big trail races and people are out for 24 hours, how much human, sorry, is left on the trail. And there was if you go on the Facebook spying group, I mean, there's one, there's a comment of like somebody pooed outside someone's house. Oh, what the hell? Oh, what's I wrong mean, with people? What is wrong with people? So now we, but I'm totally up with that. You know, something I prefer the poo shovel to the jet ball. I'm slightly like, upset about the jet ball over the poo shovel. But anyway, so I've been doing race admin, I've been ticking off my sessions. I've had to do some more treadmill sessions than I've done all year, which I did what? Okay, I'll tell you the two I did. You're all waiting to. <laughs> Five by 12 minutes at 10% with a two-minute jog in between. Oh, I did. Did you do that, Gary? Well, I haven't got a treadmill, so no. Right. <laughs> well, this is it. It's it. Spring came in, he was like, how long are you going to be? And I was like, an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to be able to do something like that, but we don't have those kind of hills no. To take a two minute recovery and then go again. Yeah. And I struggle. I've been building up these hill sessions, but the five by 12, I'm like, I've only got, I've got about 20 minutes uphill before it hits. And what's your heart rate for the, for the 12? So I keep it at about, at the moment with this big volume, I keep it about 155, get to about 155. Right, so yeah, so it's working. If yeah. I go any higher than that, it becomes too much. I'm like dying. And then the yeah. form goes. So I'm being, I call them strength as well. Like, I'm work, tempo strength, but I'm not going to that. I can still shout the kids, basically. That's my like best investment, a treadmill when, you, when you're at home with the kids and you want to carry on training is a treadmill. Anyway, did that. Not too bad. And then this morning, 10 by, I actually did 11 in the end because I felt this is how hardcore I am yeah. on myself. I felt the first one wasn't good enough. So I did 11 by four minutes because I thought I hadn't really gone. And again, I went up to that 155 heart rate and it wasn't very fast, Gary. And I, in my head, I was giving myself a hard time that I should be running faster, but I'm really strict about that heart rate. And the heart rate was at 155 and so yeah. I couldn't run faster. So it wasn't impressive. Oh, that's only 12 by what? Four minutes, one four minute minutes. jog between. No percent, no percent. See, that's good. Like that's literally double my one of my sessions. I did six times a year. So but you're you know, probably going a bit faster than me as well. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I've not checked uh, your Strava, but you could tell me. I was probably uh, just under six minute mile and about five. Some they, they varied five forty five. Some were six twelve, depending on the terrain. Yeah. So it's tough. It's been a tough week, but I've ticked off these little boxes and starting to feel like, okay, I'm moving into the races are coming this year. I always feel like after Christmas, you can sort of hide and they're never going to happen. And then they slowly start. You must feel a bit the same about Lakeland, like actually having to start to move towards it a little bit now. What the listeners really want to hear is how many 200s and 400s you've done this week. 
None. 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 No. No tears of fondness. But it's funny you're saying about you know you when you start when starting to think about the races ahead and because Kayla was cancelled, um, I'm still not replaced that with anything. So I thought, oh, I've got not not much on the calendar. But then looked on the planet, and a week before is the Howarth Hobble. So there is something. Oh, um, yeah. So attention shifts to that. But literally, I think it's four weeks away. So there's no training to be done. You're into your taper pretty much now. So I don't feel ready for no, a race. It's the same. <laughs> just the same. I entered 100k in England. Um, I've sneakily done that in April. Um, the weekend after my little sister's baby's due, because I'm like, well, I want to go over and meet the baby. I just, I'll, I'll be out yeah. that day. Uh, and I'm like, I'm so, I'm so not ready for that. I can't even imagine running that. I can't, like 10 miles seems a long run for me at the moment. But the timing's, uh, the timing's good. Is it first baby? First baby. Yeah, I've told oh, her. Who needs it? You know, I've said yeah. if it's not out by then, I'll be. I think Esme was about two weeks late, so you might just... <laughs> I think I think I've got enough time. I think I've given myself three weeks, post three weeks due date. Good. Come on. Anyway, enough about me. What you've been doing? What have I been doing? Well, I did a really lovely evening last night. Did a wedding rehearsal for my sister's wedding tomorrow. And um, tomorrow? Stop yeah, it! Yeah, it's going to be... The forecast is snow, so it's definitely no, going to be... Now, is there an outdoor element to this wedding? Well, no, only in between um, yeah, okay. kind of getting out, out of buildings and into vehicles. There's nothing else other than that. But um, yeah, it was really nice. And I've got to, you know, I've got to walk down the aisle, so I've got a job to do. <laughs> Gary, you've got to be crying like a small child. Oh goodness me! I hope not. Uh, and I've got to be. I've got to take to the aisle, take it down the aisle, and then give her right hand to a future husband's right hand. There's lots of things that can't mess it up. I've got to be. Um, and you've been the full, full outfit? No, no, yeah, I'm not in the, you know, like I think the ushers and sometimes the fathers of the bride, they have like a matching suit. I'm not in that uh, outfit for the day. So that's quite good. So I'm, I'm not that official, but yeah, walking down the aisle, giving my sister it. It is, you know, I do, if I think about it too long, I do get a bit teary, so <laughs> we'll move on. Okay. <laughs> uh, Workout-wise... Um, I did a six times one K, like we said, and that was good. 90 second recovery. And that went really well. And uh, then I think the latter part of last week, I might have mentioned it to you. I did my two times four minutes, three times three minutes, and then four times two minutes, all heart rate based. That zone for like almost the same session. Yeah, it was, I, I enjoyed it. Um, not, you know, it was again on the trails. So it was, uh, the, the pace was all over the place, but. I, yeah, I really did enjoy it and probably got the heart rate up to maybe uh, like 160s, um, about the 160. I don't really go above that very often. Me neither. I try not to as much as possible. <laughs> but it's a really good job. You know, I, I don't normally have any nutrition when I'm doing workouts, but on my two or three mile jog uh, warm up, I really needed some help. So luckily I had a, a classic cheer charge bar in my in my pocket. I'm not just saying this, listeners, because GJ sponsored the podcast. <laughs> but I always have a flapjack somewhere or some sort of snack in a pocket. If I search hard enough, there's a little snack somewhere. Yeah. It was great. I felt a bit flat and had that and um, munched on it and got the session done. So that was awesome. Uh, but I did think, yeah, I, remember, I remember on the kind of about four mile shuffle home after the workout was done, I felt pretty 
pretty shabby. Four miles. Oh, Lord. I hate it if my cool down's longer than two minutes. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's about three miles to the start and there's this kind of trailly loop. It's trailly loop. It's your monk's race route. So I like, I just like doing that. It's up and down. Um, but then ultimately there's a kind of three or four mile jibog okay. home. I've made a conscious decision because I'm always, we mentioned it with you, you know, not liking to do your workouts in the evening. I'm always chasing my strength and conditioning sessions. So I've made a decision to do them in the morning before I run with Rex. And short-term results are very positive for Thursday. But I, so I did one yesterday. I've done three, basically. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, smashed them all. And I've also done a couple of mobility sessions in the evening. I can... There, I've mentally, it's a lot easier for me to do those, say, while watching the TV, yeah. not disturbing the family, um, you know, form rolling and stretching my... Oh, uh, my God, what are you doing? Yeah, no, they're, they're so used to that. <laughs> <laughs> but that, yeah, I just need to... I've, I set the alarm early to get up. I've still not mastered getting up early, so I'm having an extra hour in bed still, but I'm just going to work later, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, it's, I'm the boss. It's all right. <laughs> so, yeah, next phase is get out of bed early. And then, um, but yeah, I can't complain. I've done three strength and conditioning sessions and two mobility sessions and we're Thursday. So that is uh, brilliant. We had, Neil and I went to the lakes and I did a Bob Graham round recce on leg four. A bit of, uh, and that one back, back to Wasdale and then we did leg four. I think I was like 8,000 feet. So that is a big, big deer. And what is, anybody will know this who has been on the fells at winter. It's something like the Bob Graham run where you, you, you're off to see the main paths quite often. You, you're looking for the fell lines, the trod. Well, in the snow, when we're on the high fells, those lines weren't there. And probably more me than Neil made a meal of, finding some of the best lines on that on that leg four section so i hope when we do the bob graham round uh it's it's cleared a bit because yeah it really it, it's such a, a funny thing anyone like anyone who's been there will know you could just drift in maybe 10 meters to the left or right yeah, yeah. and then you're kind of going over the, the the terrain underfoot is so different like rocky um well if you just kept to the left you've got a relatively clear path so we had a bit of that going on and thankfully there had been some walkers out there before us so we could see footprints yeah. and yeah. so that kept us um you know we had it on our watches so we weren't going to be lost but we just took a lot longer maybe overall it could have amounted maybe to about 20 minutes of extra time just faffing around um so that wasn't great, but um, it was great just to get back out on the course and refresh about 80, 87 miles, I think, for the week. 20 hours of exercise. And I, I was trying to, because you mentioned about 20 hours. So. <laughs> um, don't try, don't try, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, you're out in the Bob Graham Round route for 8,000 feet. I think that was six hours um, on the fell. So, yeah, that did, that pretty much took care of that. So, yeah, all in, two quality sessions, a massive day on the fells, lots of elevation, all my strength and conditioning. I reckon that's a gold star that week. Uh, that is a definite gold star. I've only done one strength and conditioning session this week and it absolutely destroyed me. I think I was, I researched like good strength exercises to do 
to strengthen for carrying the pack. I'm already oh, there. Yeah. I'm already there. I was having a look and um, I do a lot of them anyway. So I was like, yeah, yeah, that's. Um, but um, I went to the gym and got a bit carried away. We, I'm so lucky. So we have this amazing new gym in Morzine and uh, nobody. I literally have the place to myself. I saw that. Yeah. You're on I'm your so own. Lucky. And so I set out my, like what I'm going to do. And I often go with a mate because it's just better like that, isn't it? And we so, and then if someone arrives, we're both like, Oh, oh what, what this is like and then we have to like stop the chat and start but um yeah I've already started thinking okay let's look at that, that strength work but I did it yesterday I went a bit hard and I'm okay my forearms are really sore. <laughs> how much you think gonna be forearms, yeah. well you know you think you're gonna be doing this for 268 yeah. miles with the poles yeah. you've got to be the upper body you want to be as strong as uh as strong as my legs. Well, let's see. I'm going to turn up at the start line. A <laughs> <That> hench. <laughs> right, let's talk about race results. You found some crackers. Ooh. Uh, the Maverick Adidas Terex Original West Sussex 2022 at uh, 22 kilometres. Kilometres, kilometres. Uh, one hour 37. Stephen Fabs. Vet 40. Love yeah. it. One hour, 51. Claudia Marks. Then we have the last one standing. Castle Ward 2022. Keith Russell took the win. 37 loops in the total of 154 miles. It was a stacked trail as well, wasn't it? There was lots of... I uh, had a mates over there racing, and so I had some live WhatsApp updates, and it yeah. looked like the weather started off quite nice, and then it became horrendous. Bit of a bog fest. <laughs> and I think a lot of people then called it a day when it was yeah. like literally... I don't know where obviously 150 more four miles is like immense, but I don't know where that stands up in one of these last man standing as far as uh, being close to a record or not. But either way, well done, Keith Russell. And then we're all the way over to Oklahoma. It's our first overseas results. Well, maybe some French and European stuff, but definitely the States. Uh, Outlaw 100, 100 mile. I'm pretty sure it's 100 mile. And thanks to Carolyn Holloway for sharing that with us. And uh, Molly Herford took the win. 23 hours, 53 minutes and 42 seconds. It's always that. It's always... Oh, she well, always that. Can you imagine how hard she worked for that sub-20? Oh, goodness me. But for a lot of people, the sub-24, uh, you know, so, so many people just want to complete 100 mile. Well, you know, it's never a given. But a, a sub-24 is a big goal for a lot of people. So well done, Molly. And then Matthew Moore or Moore. How would you... I would always say Moore, but... Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> uh, 27 hours, 49 minutes and seven seconds. You know, we're like crying about the weather. I wonder what it was like in Oklahoma this time of year. Oklahoma, where the wind comes whistling. <laughs> it, would it be snowy? Well, I, don't, I have no idea. I should check it out. I should have checked it out. Bad research, Gary. This week, we caught up again with Brody from the Run Smarter podcast and Instagram handle Run Smarter series. If you don't follow him on the gram, do. It's so worthwhile. He puts out something every other every few days, a little golden nugget of some strength work or a little um, picture gram of uh, ideas for becoming a stronger 
or uh, bulletproof runner. Um, so we put some questions on Facebook quite a little while ago. We were going to talk with him in January, but I got the vid, didn't I? And so we had to postpone that for a little bit. Yeah. So we tried to work through as many of your questions, or if we couldn't manage to ask your questions, we sort of merged, tried to merge it into one question. And of course, being me and Gary, we sort of diverged off the topic and tried to turn it around to us as well as much as possible so we could get some free advice. But he was all, as always, full of lots of little ideas, lots of things that you can do um, to prevent injury or also if you've got an injury and as always, so positive as well. So enjoy our chat with Browdy Down Under uh, from the Run Smarter series. We have another returning guest, Eddie. This is, a, we've got a little trend actually brought in now. We had Andy Dominson, we had Russell Bentley, who we had over two shows, and then you are a returning guest too. It's brilliant. Um, welcome to the podcast again, Brody. How are you? Where are you? And have you been for a run today? Thank you for the second invite. That means I've, I must have done something well the first time. Um, yes, I'm Brody. I'm from Melbourne, Australia. And today is actually my rest day. It's my run tomorrow. So I've done my strength training today. Oh, that's interesting that you do your, you don't have, you do your strength training on a rest day because you don't have a total rest day. I, I have to take a total rest day once a week, but um, yeah, I'll slot in maybe two or three strength days throughout uh, strength days throughout the week. And when I say rest day, kind of like a running rest day and then I yeah, fill my time yeah, out elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Because I often have clients ask, like, can this? Can I put my strength in my rest? And I'm like, no, you have a total rest day yeah. once a week. And it's better to put your strength, it's better to load the other day and then have that total day off. Otherwise, you put your strength in and it's not a rest day anymore. <laughs> Very sensible, Eddie. Well done. <laughs> it's an excellent start. It is a mindful. I probably don't do my strength sessions after a hard session, but quite often I hear, do your hard session and then do your strength but um yeah I just it, do. it depends what you want to get out of it as well like if it's core a strength mobility you're probably all right but i know if i've done a hard session i've put my money in the bank there i'm not going to put money in the <laughs> yeah. bank anywhere else that day i'm just going to be standing at the fridge going <laughs> <laughs> now we asked you if you've been for a run today i've not been for a run today but do you i'm just curious and Eddie's curious too is there any anecdotal or actually physical evidence of I suppose people are more prone to injury if they run AM or PM. It's a good question. I haven't come across any of it. What I would say on the topic is some people just in general, they, some people are morning people. Some people just need a little bit more time to get up and move around and you all know who you are. <laughs> and I guess some it's, it wouldn't necessarily increase your risk of injury, but you'd probably thrive a little bit more if you're exercising more towards your circadian rhythms. And I guess people have naturally, um, whether they're on their work schedule or something, but if they had the luxury and they had a weekend or all free, they tend to naturally gravitate towards a time of the day that they'd naturally thrive. Like my sister always does afternoons <laughs> and evenings, whereas I'm a morning person, always a run in the morning. I, I've, I don't think I've ever run in the evening. So I think people just naturally gravitate towards that just based on their own. Um, if they 
had no prior commitments. I think they would just naturally find a time of the day they'd thrive in. Brody, what have yeah. you been up to since we uh, since we last chatted? You would just moved oh. out, you and you were like half soundproofed your walls. Yes, it's really smart now where you are. Very good audio. I have. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I've worked hard to try and um, minimize the bounce because I had moved to a new house. Yes, I'm still here. And I've converted my entire ground level into a clinic slash gym rehab studio. So the three years prior to that was um, just treating, doing online physio for runners all over the world. Still do that. It's the bulk of what I do, but starting to see some local in-person people as well with this new clinic that I have um, built out. So it's really lovely. Yeah. And Apart from that, loving the podcast, continuing with the podcast and putting together a book of um, just put together, I'm just constantly on the go with trying to get as much information out there through all different mediums and trying to do it the best way I can. And that's the the mission that gives me as much passion as possible. And so try and do it as much as possible. Yeah. Tell us a bit about the book, actually. I'm, I heard on your podcast um, that you were doing a book and it's evolving, I think, maybe three books now, is it or something or three sections within yeah. the book? <laughs> it's a project that I am not too sure how long it will take. I've probably spent the last, <laughs> I've committed the last four months to it so far and not too sure how long it's taking because I have the idea of how much content I want. And so when I start chipping away at that content, I'm thinking of more ideas to put in the book. So the more I work on it, the bigger my to-do list is getting. So I have no idea how long it's going to take. But when I very first started the podcast, I wrote an ebook around uh, injury-prone Pete and 10 universal principles to reduce risk of injury or overcome your current injury. And that stemmed the podcast. The first 10 episodes of the podcast were describing each of those uh, principles in detail. And it was just a quick little ebook that I thought would be nice to put out there. And since thought I should probably fully flesh that out and delve a little bit more deeper, but then runners also, they want to reduce their risk of injury. That's like the, the number one desire or need that they have, but most of them also want to increase their running performance safely. So I have the idea to do a second part and have uh, more principles on how to increase your running performance safely. And then a couple of other ideas around like injury specific ideas and how someone can overcome an injury specifically and a few other tidbits around. So it's a, it's a big project I've got at the moment, but hopefully when do you call time on that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm busy, but like I always say that if I, if you do things that generate your energy then you're just you're just full of passion the entire time you never get drained you never get burnt out just because you, you just love every single moment so and i haven't been burnt out yet and i um i do work hard i spend a lot of hours into it but you know i'm still going it reminds me i saw i tried <laughs> i tried one of your strength your little um your you do little snippets of good ideas for strength training and i was in the gym with a mate the other day and i was like look let's try this jump off the box and then jump back on again and uh, I was like, look, here we are. We looked at, we, I showed her on Instagram. Oh my <laughs> God, the next day, my God. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> 
We chose like a really the two big boxes being competitive girls. We're like, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. Uh, it was good. It was a good. Uh, it was a good little strength workout. So if you're ever looking for little tidbits of little extra things to do, uh, Brody often puts up little ideas of um, strengthening exercises on his Instagram, and then I steal them. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. Yeah. And the good thing about my job is I just need to do like maybe three reps of one exercise and I try and nail it perfectly and then say, here's the exercise. Now you do three sets of 15 or something. And, you know, they have to do the whole thing. Whereas I just do 10 seconds. You make it look so good. I was like, that is like perfect form. Whereas when <laughs> I, I'd done like four of them and I was like, oh, one leg was definitely leading the jump back up. Going, <laughs> It didn't look like For that. sure. Uh, right should we get into our first question proper question well I was super curious you mentioned injury prone Pete and I think last podcast we finished we brought injury prone Pete up yeah could you I'd love to know a bit more about injury prone Pete the idea like the premise I could probably sum up the the idea of the book in about uh, two three minutes but if you if you want to know more information feel free to to listen to those podcast episodes or grab the ebook. But essentially what it is, is injury prone Pete just to start, decides to become a runner. He's in his like mid thirties and decides just to partake and encounters a lot of setbacks, encounters a lot of injuries and, uh, and learns a lot of things along the way about reducing risk of injury and overcoming injury. And essentially it's around um, for the most part, the idea around why injuries occur in the first place. And most of the time it's due to something abrupt in training. It's due to every like kind of body part, structure, muscle, ligament, tendon, having a certain capacity and there being a shift in your training that exceeds its capacity, exceeds its um, ability to tolerate what you want it to do. And because a lot of load goes through your body when you run, a lot of load generates per um, body weight. So around the foot, you're looking at something around six to eight times your body weight, around the knee, two to three times your body weight, every single step that you take. So the loads accumulate very quickly. And if you do something, if there's an abrupt change, whether it's speed, terrain, um, mileage, if there's footwear that's too abrupt in change, all those sorts of things, if it's way too outside the norm and it exceeds your capacity to adapt, then it starts breaking down rather than building up. And there's a few other tidbits in there. You could have a constant training, but you overload yourself because you've under-recovered. So there's that uh, balance to the equation as well that you need to go through. But the the rest of the journey talks about strength training. It talks about shoes. It talks about um, nutrition and all those sorts of things that you really want to do to recover and also perform and how to do so safely. Do you think that also applies... Here quite often you see someone doing a marathon for argument's sake. Um, I was on for a PB until 20 miles and then I cramped up. Is that maybe an outlet for the body saying you've just asked too much today or it's just rotten luck? Yeah, if it comes to like cramping, sometimes it's like pushing beyond your capabilities and the body's just not used to it. But often when you push your body beyond what it's used to, you also sweat a lot more. You also mm. lose a lot more hydration. And if your, if your nutrition strategy and your hydration strategy isn't up to scratch, then um, that's also a likely cause of cramping. So there's a few things that could go wrong. We know that there's two main um, areas of cramping. One, it could just be overuse over and over and over again. That's why someone might get a cramp in their feet when they go uh, swimming yeah. and just start using their intrinsic muscles. Horrible, and they know that. That. 
on your <laughs> Valene rope saying, I'm not drowning, yeah. but I can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Always used to, I used to do like a four-hour bike back in the triathlon days and then a swim club swim in the evening and you'd kick your leg and you'd feel it go. And it's awful. It's awful. But all down to poor nutrition. You're right, Brody. I'd... Well, th- th- that's the one side of things. One side's poor nutrition and hydration. The other, because people can get, say, cramps in their feet when they're just sleeping. And it's yeah, just because they're t- pointed their toes down and they're not sweating, but it's just the muscles overuse. They're not used to sort of activating those little muscles for long periods of time. But yes, definitely the other cause of cramping is that loss of electrolytes or loss of sodium in sweat um, and trying to replace that as much as possible, which sometimes people just get their strategy wrong because they push themselves in the marathon and they haven't necessarily trained at that intensity and so don't know how to replace their fluids accordingly. So yeah, certain things can go wrong. Getting carried away. That should be a chapter in your book. Getting <laughs> yes, carried away. <laughs> we reached out to our listeners on Facebook and yeah, they came back at us with quite a few questions, actually, and we'll try and answer as many as possible. Some of them we've sort of merged, haven't we, and sort of gone yeah. to that's been asked a lot. So if your <clears> specific <throat> question isn't asked, it's because we've sort of tried to merge in as many. And also we're aware that Brody is giving up his time, so we can't be here all day. <laughs> right, you're going to go first, Gary. Yeah, first one from Tracker Teddy is a middle-aged runner, um, currently in the middle of a very long injury, uh, six weeks with no running with the MRI planned possible tib stress fracture biking aggravated and I suppose basically they are curious if I suppose somebody who's got a long-term injury if they will ever get back to where they were as a runner good question uh, I can definitely see people who do have severe injuries it can seem like you know that the possibility of reco- full recovery is low. You know, people get in these mental states where they're conflicted and they're like, oh, will it, will it ever happen? It's every time I build myself up, I get another injury and then I'm set back as well. And stress fractures are just the worst injury when it comes to runners. People hate when it comes to stress fractures because unlike most other injuries, stress fractures tend to be the exception to a lot of the the management rules. And I do say... I do advise a lot of these management rules on my podcast because sometimes it's okay to poke into a little bit of pain. Sometimes it's okay to exercise and do a little bit of running if there's low levels of pain there. And if it doesn't flare up the next day, like there's certain guidelines, certain principles that you can follow, but usually stress fractures are the exception to the rule because it is non-weight bearing. It's time off. It's once you start resuming back to your exercise, you kind of need to be pain-free the entire time. So it's very slow and the runner needs to be very patient which a lot of runners don't have and yeah it can be very very frustrating but i'm yet to see if the management is if you abide to that management very carefully yet to see a stress fracture runner who hasn't returned back to their normal kind of um loads or goals that they have but the caveat of that is you do need to pay attention to the right management you can mismanage an injury for as long as you want yeah. and you just won't return back to those goals that you once had only just because you're self-sabotaging and not abiding to what should be done. But a lot of times our ego gets in the way or whether it's just frustration or whether it's just, you love running so much that you just have to get back and do as much as possible. Sometimes those training philosophies that just keep us in that really bad boom bust cycle. And so that can definitely happen, but, um, Rest assured to allay your fears if you abide by the same 
the right management, then you should return back to the the running dosage, the running goals that you that you set for yourself. I think with a stress fracture, when I had this, when I had my foot stress fracture, the best thing my doctor did was put me in a boot and go, if I see you doing <laughs> anything out of that boot, you're going to be in big trouble. And but I think with a stress fracture, Brody, I don't know whether you agree, but you, the healing time, like other injuries, you can often do lots of a cross train and stuff. You have to that healing time with the stress fracture is you have to do nothing because it just won't heal. Otherwise, every time you use it, it's it's yeah. you're sending the wrong message to the body. But the minute it's healed it's actually quite easy to then build back up because it's healed. Whereas with other injuries, they are very hard. Like I like the word mismanagement because you can often think like with calf injuries and knees, oh, it's better. And then people go back too soon. And that's when the injury cycle just continues because they're mismanaging it. So in some ways, a stress fracture is horrible because that initial period has to be total rest. But then once they're healing, they're almost easier to come back to because they're nearly always healed and you just have to manage other bits and build yourself back up. Do you agree with that? Brody? Yeah. Yeah. The the only thing with so much time off, it might be six weeks of non-weight bearing, but then when you get back into stuff, that is um, all the rest of your body, all the rest of your lower limb have yeah. kind of or- been a little bit weak as well. And yeah. they've kind of had complete rest. So the slow integration back into exercise is the case. And um, when you're talking about like healing times, it really stress fractures, happen in several different parts of your body as a runner could be in the foot the ankle the shin could be in the femur could be high up in the hip around the pelvis there's so many different areas that um, runners seem to accumulate and some are more common than others but some sites are more what we call high risk and some are low risk and so we manage those very differently so if you're talking about your shin if there's a stress fracture on the outside of on the outside border of your shin, there's actually a high risk zone, but on the inside of the shin is actually a low risk zone. So the management will be extremely different and they usually have a high risk. It's usually a high risk. If you make it worse, then the there's added complications and there's added things that we really don't want to have to manage. And so that's why they take the advice a lot more seriously and sometimes it's no cross training or non-weight bearing for sometimes eight to 12 weeks is because it's it's such a um a site that you just don't want to get worse but if it's on a low risk area then maybe sometimes you can cross train maybe sometimes you can do like swimming or a bike if it's really low load um maybe that the assault bikes where you're kind of using a lot of your arms and a little bit less of your legs but that would just depend on symptoms as well and not only the site of the location, but also the severity, because it all comes on different stages. You can have a stage three or a stage one, and it's all on a spectrum in terms of where it develops and what the pathology is. And so but, oh, don't follow my just general advice. You need to follow what the the site is, what the, the stage of the pathology is, and then just um, listen to the health professional who's assessed it and um, is in charge of your management. It's very hard with stress fractures too. I don't know what like um, the medical care is like in Australia, but getting an MRI to actually get a stress fracture diagnosed oh, wow. is often an uphill battle <laughs> unless you're prepared to throw to throw money at it. But uh, and I often think once it's actually diagnosed, often runners have gone through weeks or months of like reoccurring pain and it's not been diagnosed properly. So fingers crossed, Teddy. By the time um, that's being uh, we've been talking about that, you might be on the road to recovery. Let us know. I know right, Teddy's next- been running for. 25 years but do you see 
newer runners, just my experiment of warning myself, when I was seeing early in my running life, I seem to have a lot more injuries. And now, not so many injuries. Is that a kind of common pattern? Uh, you're probably just more wise, Gary, and just doing less silly things. Um, yeah. And you're probably learning from your mistakes. <laughs> There is a lot of uh, research out there around characteristics or like any sort of correlation between running related injuries. Unfortunately, there's not high correlation between age, between like experience, between like your mileage, your frequency, your intensity. Whenever there's a study put out there that says, oh, there's a correlation between the amount of miles you do per week. um, There's usually another paper that comes out and says there's no correlation. (laughs) And there's, and so I've just finished doing a, um, a patron episode on a systematic review that came out last year around training um, parameters. Is there any link between training parameters and running related injuries? And they looked at whether how much mileage you do throughout the week. They looked at how much, uh, how frequent you are, what the intensity is like, and they looked at changes and all these sort of things. And essentially they found out that it's injuries are so multifactorial that there's always going to be, conflicting kind of research and depends on how strong the study is, but they say all of these papers say that uh, the more mileage you do, the more risk, the higher the risk of getting injury. And then there's a whole bunch of other papers that come out and say the more mileage you do is actually protective against injury. And so it just leaves you with so much confusion. And yeah, you're just left with all these systematic reviews that say inconclusive, like we can't actually draw any correlation. And so it makes us very confused. Listen to your body. Just listen to your body and don't copy. Agreed. Let's let's dive into the next question. This came up um, from Martin Colburn and my friend Hillary as well, who I actually train with quite a lot, and she's always going on over on her ankle or whining about it. So I'd love to be able to help her out here a bit. Uh, reoccurring ankle twisting on trail. Anyone that's ever twisted, oh, it's horrible, isn't it? It's almost sick making that twisting pain but it tends to be once you've done it once it's gone and then it happens again and then again yeah, again, yeah. Uh, any tips any any advice on this help these poor people i'll try as best as i can because yes i agree that like once you roll your ankle you lose um say like the ligaments get stretched a little bit but also you lose proprioception is like the the nerve connection to your ankle from your brain to your ankle to tell you where your ankle is in space. And so a lot of people return back to running because most ankle um, sprains, they you can overcome it in about a week or two. And most people without any real effective um, management, they're just walking again and then all of a sudden they're running again. And then they've just gone back without addressing the strength deficits or the proprioception deficits or the balance deficits that are associated with rolling the ankle and leads them to rolling their ankle again. Like I played basketball throughout my teens and early twenties. I've rolled both my ankles about five times because it is just like, once you do it once, if you don't have and commit to some good rehab, significantly higher chance of rolling them again. And especially if you're on trails and you know, if it's almost like, because there's such an uneven surface, if you're looking ahead of you and you're not staring at your feet, if that rolled ankle that's been rolled in the past, if it's just in a slight different position to what your body thinks it is, and then you land on a uneven surface that you might not have been prepared for the, the results for you to sort of stabilize um, is quite low. And so you, you roll it again. And so 
trying to identify those deficits. Yes, some strength exercises. Yes, some balance exercises. Wobble board exercises are perfect for um, runners when if they want to reduce their risk of ankle sprains. And it's just essentially standing with one foot in front of the, in the middle of the wobble board, trying to keep all sides off the floor and just trying to balance. And your foot works really hard. Your ankle works really hard. Then you can do it with eyes closed. You can do it with like holding onto a, a kettlebell and like shifting it from right hand to left hand and just trying to negotiate that change in your center of gravity. And you're just working super, super hard. And then um, it just comes down to making sure when you're on the trails, which a lot of people can, if, you, if you've got a lot of practice, is just trying to work out your foot placement, trying to have real conscious effort about where you place your feet. And that can significantly reduce the, the risk of rolling it over again as well. Did you say one foot on the wobble board? <laughs> I have to do what, you have to do oh. one foot, unfortunately. <laughs> I uh, brush my teeth standing on one leg. Should I... It's like a minute on each <laughs> on each foot. Should I take the wobble board into the bathroom and um, increase? You can do. The- <laughs> That'll be quite the challenge. Yes, I do I, say for I those who are really TV struggling, when he's watching the Six Nations, he he watches the rugby every weekend and he spends the whole time on the wobble board shouting at the television. That's good multitasking. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I was going to say if someone's finding the single leg wobble board like unachievable, if they're falling over within like seconds and not really getting much of a workout. Uh, I always recommend just putting fingertips, fingertips on the wall. And that can be really, really helpful. And if you find yourself, once you start losing balance, that other foot that's dangling in the air, if that makes contact with the ground, then you're just taking this like little mini rest. So it just defeats the purpose. And so trying your best once you do fall to keep your foot on the wobble board, keep the other foot in the air and then trying to use the strength of your foot to bring you back up. So all sides are now off and you're just working extremely hard. I like that little, little touching out, <laughs> little tapping out. <laughs> Indeed, I, I noticed on your social media, you shared a post about strong feet in running. I'm not too sure if the feet, I suppose the feet and the ankles are connected, but yeah, what's your thoughts on that? Do we need strong feet? And if we do, some advice, uh, some tips and possible exercises. Yeah, it's, it's fresh on my mind. I just interviewed um, Jay DeSherry on my podcast, which that episode, um, at the time of recording this, it comes out next week. And we talked about strength training. We talked about strength of the feet. We talked about function and coordination. And um, Jay's advice, he's wrote books on these, so he's mainly the expert. Um, starting off with toe yoga as a coordination exercise you guys are nodding your heads you're probably familiar with what it is but essentially just planting your foot flat on the ground and trying to raise the big toe only the big toe and trying to keep the other four toes um, just pressed into the ground then you're doing the opposite so you're placing the big toe down and raising up all other four toes and just coordinating those two yes (laughs) and people get quite good at it once they practice but if they haven't done it before it's very difficult to do And with enough practice, Jay said, usually within a week, which I've seen mainly within two weeks, people just, they're able to coordinate themselves, able to achieve a better function of their foot. They're able to activate the intrinsic muscles within the feet. And then once that's achieved, they can then build upon that layer, build upon that foundation and work their way more towards strength and loading, which can be as simplistic as just doing your strength work in bare feet walking around in bare feet a bit more, maybe minimalist footwear during your workouts when you're doing your squats and lunges and all those sorts of things, um, just builds up the strength and function of the feet. How do you feel Mm. about um, strength work in bare feet, Brody? Good once you have 
like once you've built up the strength to tolerate it. So some people may have just been working out in really supportive shoes or ran in supportive shoes their entire life and hadn't really done much experience in bare feet apart from just walking around the house. And if they're not necessarily had much practice, then it's probably going to be a little bit too much for them. So you want to make sure that when they, if their goal is to build the strength and function of their feet, which all runners should, then slowly get into it. Maybe it's only doing barefoot walking for certain exercises, or maybe it's only for five or 10 minutes of your workout, or maybe it's just for one set. Um, but eventually progressing to the point where your feet are strong enough to tolerate that whole strength session, provided that you're safe, you don't want to drop weights on your feet or you don't want to, um, you know, there's hygiene as an issue if you're in like a commercial gym, but it should be the goal. It should be, you should, in my mind, you should have the strength and function for you to not rely on supportive shoes when it comes to exercise or when it comes to strength training. I think running is a different story. I don't think a lot of people really thrive very well if they try barefoot running. Some of them do. There are exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, you're you're sort of balancing on a very, very fine line between injury and overloading yourself. Because like I say, when you've run six to eight times your body weight through your foot, it'd be very easy to overload it no matter how strong you are. All it takes is just a slight fluctuation training and then game over. I think as well, if you're doing strength work at home, perhaps you don't have access to a gym and a lot of weights and stuff, just doing the same exercise, but without trainers on can completely change your proprioception and the way that you can do that exercise. So it's quite good if people are finding exercises quite easy at home, just take your shoes off and try and do it without shoes on. And suddenly it can seem a lot harder, not speaking from too much experience here. But I know <laughs> no, you're right though, for sure. As soon as I take my shoes off and I do bozu ball work and I do my like just normal step ups with like dumbbell, I find it, it, it suddenly, and, but I also find it kind of wakes up. So often now I've done a ton of strength work. So I'll do my like stability and long warm up before my heavy weights. I'll do that without my trainers on and I feel it really wakes my feet up. But then I put my, trainers on for the heavyweights because i'd be too scared to to lift without trainers i always um as soon as i'm in the house the footwear comes off and when i do my calf raises they're always barefoot and i feel i've engaged more of the foot i suppose um again it's anecdotal i'm not a, a scientist but i do feel that the foot's more involved in the exercise as opposed to the kind of barrier between the shoe and the in the, the step yeah i'd agree um it's just taking away support and so your body has to be that support and it's um People don't necessarily think about footwear like that. They think, you know, oh, I have flat feet, so I need this um, support on the inside of my foot. But you're taking away function. You're taking away the possibility of adding in strength to those little um, little muscles of the feet. Right. Let's dig in. Shall I do the next question? From yeah, yeah, go for Victoria it. Magnus. She's got many questions. We'll yeah. try maybe uh <laughs> She's just had um, recovery tips from Morton Neuroma's excision, excision, isn't it? And she's still got nerve damage. What is, um, Brody, what's your sort of experience with Morton Neuroma and then having the operation and then the recovery? To be fair, I haven't dealt with too many people that have had an operation, had the excision of the nerve. So Morton's Neuroma is, so in between the heads of all of your toes, you have bones and it's, it's in between those bones where you have nerves. And sometimes if the foot uh, or the two, there's two kind of met heads at the base of the toes, if they kind of squash together, they kind of push and squish 
the the nerve that's sort of in between them and that can get very irritated and Morton's neuroma uh, is between the second and uh, between the third and fourth toe and uh, that can usually be if the foot is like kind of squashed together and in runners, I kind of see it's common if they have either um, wrong sized footwear. So if the, the toe box of the shoe is a little bit smaller or if someone's running an ultra and they haven't been wearing a shoe size that's half, like a half size larger than their actual foot because their foot gets bigger during that, that event. Um, so if their if their toe box is too small, then those met heads, the toes kind of get squashed together and can irritate that nerve. Um, or someone who has a narrow or crossover step width. So if someone does that, then they're reaching across their body, they're reaching across the midline to make contact with the ground. Yeah, never and heard so that. if if you can imagine like you're running on a treadmill, there's a straight line down the very center of that belt and your right foot makes contact on the left side of that line, then you, uh, the, the foot itself is kind of cutting across. And when you make contact with the ground, it kind of crushes all the bones of your feet. And sometimes that can crush the nerve as well. And so if you have a narrow step width or a crossover step width, then it's, um, helpful to try and widen that step width if you're particularly dealing with this Morton's neuroma. And so, uh, with this particular presentation, someone who's had the nerve itself removed and still experiencing some sort of nerve pain, I would um, question kind of like the the running, question the footwear, question yeah. like the the style of running, um, maybe just a, a better um, management. Really hard to say based, we need to delve into sort of particulars um, and little like intrinsic parts of the rehab, but that would usually be my tip. Most cases, I just have people um, walk around with like spaces in their toes, just like when they're walking around the house, they just have space and just like s uh, separate the, the space a little bit more. But then when it comes to running appropriate footwear, large toe boxes, and then widening their step width can usually be effective. That's really interesting. Try that out. Reoccurring plantar fasciitis. If you've had plantar fasciitis, I did have it many years ago once. Never ever had it. And actually, that's where I have my third baby. I couldn't get rid of it. We wanted to have a third. We we're like, let's just have this. Should we have it now? Because we can't get rid of this plantar fasciitis. So that'll be for us. <laughs> reoccurring plantar fasciitis. This must be some of the beef of your work, is it, Brody? The people. It's a. It's an absolute B if you get it. Getting rid of it. Yeah. It's one of um, two conditions in runners that I mainly see that kind of doesn't resolve itself if you mismanage it enough. It kind of just persists. It can persist for months, sometimes years. And if you don't know how to effectively overcome it, the longer you've had it for, the harder it is to get rid of because you sometimes the irritant carries over into everyday life and so then it becomes particularly tricky so like yeah, an annoyed boyfriend you just cannot get rid of it yeah it can carry over let's just say like the running itself was the main irritant so doing too much and then once it is irritated for several months then carries over into your walking like throughout the rest of the day if you have to stand for long periods of time if you have to um carry the kids or do grocery shopping and you're carrying bags or like those sort of things if you walk around the house barefoot for half an hour, sometimes that can set it off and starts to carry over into more and more things throughout the your know, everyday life. And it follows a particular pattern. What I see, what I call the pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral. It's 
someone having pain because they've overdone themselves. Maybe they've had an abrupt change in their training, um, in their overall training loads, and they have plantar fasciitis and they say, all right, I need time off, I need to rest. And what that does is reduce its capacity, reduce its strength, and then you try and return back to all those things and it irritates it further. And you say, okay, maybe I'm not a, a half marathon person, maybe I'm only a 10K person. And then they reduce their overall mileage and it still irritates and they say, okay, maybe just 5K, okay, maybe just 1K maybe I'm just not equipped for running just yet. And then it carries over into their walking. It's like, oh, maybe I can't walk for two hours anymore. Maybe I have to wear all these rigid type of shoes because I need that support. Otherwise my foot's sore. Or maybe I need orthotics because that makes me feel so much better because um, I I no longer need the, the demand in the feet. And so you're listening to these people and just you're looking over the period of months and they're just getting weaker and weaker and weaker and their capacity to stand and their capacity to walk and run and do all these things is just getting, is just diminishing. And so then that's usually when they find a physio, when they've had it for six months and they can't walk for 10 minutes. And then they're like, fix me because I have a marathon that I want to do in six months. It can be particularly tricky. It can be very frustrating. Um, but what we need to do is to try and find where their current capacity is, what they can tolerate. Is it five minutes of barefoot walking? Is it doing calf raises with um, some sort of supportive shoes? Is it doing some sort of toe yoga or some sort of wobble board stuff or trying just to build up the capacity in whatever capacity they can currently tolerate because it depends how far down that spiral they are is where our starting point is. And when we find that starting point, then we need to slowly build our way back up. And it might just be balance to start with, or it might just be we've caught it early enough and it just, it just might be a slight um, altercation or modification of their current training loads. So it just might be, okay, you overdid yourself last week. You, you ran a half marathon. You had a very impressive time, but now your foot's sore. Let's just back off a little bit. Let's do some cross training. Let's do some strength training. Let's um, halve your current running mileage let's slowly build our way back up. So you can catch it early, but more often than not, I see people that have had a lot longer and it's just trying to restore function, trying to restore capacity like we do with most other injuries. Yeah, it's great. It's find, you know, find what you can tolerate is, is brilliant. There's always, there's usually something you can do. Next one on the list, Victoria again, knee pain. Twinges when going up and down stairs uh, didn't respond to three months rest. Uh, she's thinking ligament pain, physio so soon, Runners, my goodness me, seems like everybody has uh, experienced knee pain in some form over the years. I think I had uh, like a possible, undiagnosed, but I'm pretty sure it was a meniscus tear. And uh, that I just had to walk. I really couldn't run on it. But yeah, help for Victoria, not me. (laughs) Sure, Victoria. Yes. Um, Let's see what we can do. First of all, you said that rest didn't help. Um, help, Often we find that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. I have an episode in those 10 universal principles I was talking about at the start, which is rest is not always best. And essentially talking about what we had discussion 60 seconds ago was we need to find capacity. We need to find your current capacity and build you up from there because often rest results in further weakening and more irritation. And so you're actually detrimental to a lot of your recovery in a lot of instances, stress fractures, no, like we say, exception to the rule. But in most cases, we try and find our, our current capacity and build our way up from there. More, the most common knee condition for runners is what we call patellofemoral pain. It's also referred to as runner's knee and does have pain with 
up and down stairs with squats, with lunges, um, very, very common. So potentially it could be, I'm not here to diagnose people, but the other, um, the other thing it could be if it's at the front of the knee could be a patello ligament. So the patello ligament just at the very front, just below the kneecap, if that's an irritant. Um, but it's all about finding capacity, all about finding what you can currently tolerate. If it's no running at all, then it might be wall sits. It might be wall squats. It might be some light lunges. It might be just holding onto some weights and slowly going up and down stairs. Um, and, a helpful tip for a lot of people that a lot of runners don't realize is their strength work when they do their rehab, there can be a little bit of pain during that rehab. I found particularly with patellofemoral pain or runner's knee pain up to around about four out of 10 can be very effective. It means that you're progressing your, um, your rehab a lot quicker than if you were trying to be really conservative and go with pain-free exercises completely. Um, but there's a few caveats to that. We don't want any further irritation after that exercise. We don't want it aching and being sore for an hour after that exercise. And we don't want it being irritated the next day. So it needs to return to baseline. We call that in less than 24 hours. But if you do an exercise, if you're holding onto some weights and you're doing say wall squats, and it's maybe a two out of 10 or a three out of 10 pain, sometimes that's okay. And as long as it doesn't irritate the following day, you can continue with that dosage. And so you're progressing your strength uh, a lot quicker than yeah. you would have if you're trying to uh, aim for pain-free exercises. Knees are quite noisy, aren't they? I always <clears throat> find that with clients that I'm like, knees like to shout. You know, they're often like, oh, really? And I'm like, just, let, you know, but they respond really well to being told what to do as well. They're like, if you just make them do these, the strength work. And yeah, like you said, I often say just if it's not getting worse, that's good. You know, sometimes needs need to be told slightly what they're going to do and they need to suck it up a bit. Um, yeah. Uh, not obviously to any pain, but often sometimes <laughs> I often find, especially if I get really, I get really sore knees from the sort of sports that I do, especially in the winter, but I, I find movement helps them to say, loosen up a bit. You've you got to work, get on with it. And um... <laughs> I think it's great advice though. Find what you can um, tolerate without aggravating these uh, problems too much. When I had my knee issue, I, I did check my Strava once and I, I think it was about two or three months. I had no, pretty much no running. Um, and I walked all that time. I did increase my strength and conditioning. And um, yeah, it was a quite a low point mentally, seeing other runners out there, bumping into friends out on the trails, and I was walking everywhere. But Victoria, there was light at the end of the tunnel, and that was 2018, and there was a period of time when I was really fearful of aggravating that injury. Um, and then now, I don't really think about it anymore. So yeah, funny, isn't it? When you're injured, it's like you're in the depths of it, and you're so scared of it, and then it it sort of disappears eventually, and then you yeah. forget about it. Though at the time, it's all consuming. I turned off the straw. Yeah. That went. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as you get in, I go turn off the straw. Well, I hope that helps, Victoria, and everybody else. Oh yeah, right. no. <gasps> The quick five. <laughs> Brody, we've upped our game with this quick five since you last chat. We've become a lot more professional. I don't know if you've noticed. But, uh, we've got I don't some know if I like being professional. <laughs> <laughs> Brody, thank you so much for giving all oh, everything you say. It's like a little nugget of golden goodness that I'm like, yes, write that down. Um, so hopefully people listening have, they can either, uh, they're either there in the depth of an injury. Perhaps you're listening to this 
home and you can't get out and you're sitting with a cup of tea or perhaps you're out on the trail and you've got a bit of a niggle so uh hopefully this has given you maybe a little bit of point in the right direction or just a timely reminder that strength work is the key to maintaining a healthy relationship with your running and of course if you want to find Brody, he is you just need to type uh, run smarter run smarter podcast into um google and you can find all about him and uh listen to his podcast every um no minute wasted listening to this podcast every little um, yeah it's a great it's a great source of information um so thank you again thank you again brody i'm sure we'll ask you again but we'll give you a few answers i just listened to the the last podcast i listened to was oh my goodness the nordic exercise i think you had a, a physio from ireland on i was really interested in that because although it seemed quite sprint based and explosive athletes when you were mentioning about the uphill and downhill running i thought yeah might be uh, mm. spending some euros. <laughs> but yes. Very Every day is a school day. Words. You listen to Brody. Every day is a school day. That's good. <laughs> Quick five questions then. We've yeah, like Eddie said, we've upped our game. We we reached out to our listeners in a previous in a competition. So I've um, moved away from giant fiberglass structures in Australia and stuff like that. <laughs> I saw that from last time. I remembered that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've got some fresh questions for you. I didn't email those over to you, so you uh, haven't had time to prep for these ones. First one is, right, you're coming from a muddy trail run. Do you leave your shoes to rot or would you clean them? Oh God, I'd probably wait for them to dry and then try and just clap off all the the dry dirt um, rather than just dealing with the mud. I think, I think that's probably much to my, the dislike of my girlfriend. I'd probably just leave them either inside the house or just just outside the house, just wait for them to dry. Who cleans them? Who's got that time? I bet you well, do. You know, we had Matt from Hawker on. I'm pretty sure he cleans his trainers because my trainers would perish and he was dragging out shoes he'd had for years and years and they looked pretty good. So I think there's some longevity, uh, good longevity <laughs> advice if you clean shoes. But yeah, I don't. I, I when we cross country season starts again, I drag out last year's shoes and they're just caked in mud. It's such embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> right, it's you're out Australia, is, is there anyway? It's just sand, beaches. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's perfect. Yeah, picturesque. You're out on a run, sorry. You take a picture. Would you go for a selfie shot or would you uh, take a picture of the scenery? Definitely the scenery. I've kind of got into this um, this little groove whenever my girlfriend and I go on a weekend getaway and I go for a long run. I'm taking in all the scenery as soon as I see like a field and some cows or like the sun, um, yeah. the sunrise, all that sort of stuff. Taking in it because my, my girlfriend really appreciates it. So I'm not featured in any of those so i can um i have evidence to back up my claims <laughs> you know instagram i i did a little bit of again it's just my little research when i look through my instagram feed anything with a face on people tend to like more so that encourages you to do these selfies but it's a pet hit of mine is um this lovely view but my big face in front of the, in front of the <laughs> beach holiday city break or head for the bush uh, definitely bush. Definitely need to um, get out to nature, get some some birds singing in the morning, get some like river crossings, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely love it. Have you entered any races for 2022? I actually have entered a bike race. We have a, a Great Ocean Road, uh, 150, 
145 K just, um, lovely scenic, um, but challenging ride coming up. So I've had to actually reduce my running mileage and start picking up my cycling. So something a bit different, probably something you're not used to hearing on the podcast. Awesome. That sounds awesome. We're big fans, big fans of the bike, aren't we, Gary? Last question. Yes. Massive. Oh, I've not done much with this week, Eddie, or last week. I oh, know. I'll chat about that later. It's going down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Would you say David Bowie or David Bowie? David Bowie. I don't, do you guys say, how do you guys say it? I've never heard the Bowie. other. I'm a Bowie. I'm a <laughs> I'm not, to be fair, I should have really checked this. I don't know how... He would have said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just, uh, <laughs> there's bound to be a YouTube video on that one. Well, boys, three boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That's it. Quick five. Thanks, Brody. Oh, thank God. You, the you pressure's very off. Think, Brody. We could have done 10. That was awesome, Brody. Thanks again for coming on. Our second, second guest. Um, <laughs> definitely head over to Run Smart Online, everybody. Check out Brody. He's got a great podcast too. And we'll keep our eyes peeled for the book and yeah i'm sure we'll get you on again have a chat about the book when it's published that will be awesome thanks brody thank you brody thanks guys thank you very much had a lot of fun Great to hear from Brody again, Eddie. Um, I can't wait for his book. So it's, it sounds like a, a, a life's work. Um, the way it's just evolving, and who knows when it's going to be finished. But um, yeah, once it's done, it'd be great to get him back on the podcast to talk about that. And also, Brody, if you're listening, you need to go and um, fix your Instagram link on your website. It takes you to a different Brody show. <laughs> this is a good test to see that if he listens. I I think I'm like the, one of the busiest people in the world. And then when we talk to Brody about like everything he does and oh, how wow. hard he works, he's a he's a grafter. And he's he seems so enthusiastic. Um, he mentioned that you know when it's a passion, it doesn't tell you. And I was thinking, no, I'm quite exhausted. <laughs> As ever with our guests, I always come away feeling a lesser mortal going, really, come on, Eddie, shape up, Eddie, do more. Yeah. I don't like plugging other podcasts, but it is a good podcast to listen to. I think it's a Jay Dishery, his latest one I listen to, and there's some uh, great subjects discussed there. Upcoming. Coming thick and fast, these races, I'm getting pre-race anxiety already. <laughs> So what we got, we have got the Loopy Latrig Fell Race, optional fancy dress. So I'm looking forward to, oh, his name's blanking me, but there's a photography over, a photographer over that way who is, he always photographs their events, basically. Um, really, really good images. Uh, so yeah, hopefully people go for fancy dress, but nothing with too much um, wind resistance because... Is that this weekend? Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, my goodness me. <laughs> Luckily, Latrig's not the highest of peaks and you might be sheltered by Blencather and Skidor, um, depending on which way the wind's coming from. But yeah, best of luck with that one. We've got the Brecon to Cardiff Ultra, a linear 70-kilometre race along the picturesque Taft Trail. Taft Trail. The race starts at 8 on Sunday, the 20th of February in Brecon and finishes at Coleg y Comment Nagra. No, that definitely had an Indian underlying, not a Welsh. Yeah, my, you were. My it was... Heritage and the quarter Welsh. <laughs> absolutely appalled. Uh, sorry, sorry, Mum and Dad. Well, I copied that for you to say it because I knew I'll. I, I knew. I knew. <laughs> 
somebody uh somebody welsh speaking uh tell us how we how we pronounce that but i've heard lots of good things about this race a nice little opener as well um for a winter ultra as we start turning our heads towards um spring not too quickly not too quickly please i still need another month yeah 70k is quite a nice distance isn't it it's uh yeah, I've entered 100k in April and now I'm thinking, that's quite punchy, isn't it? I'd prefer to start the season with like a 60, 70k. Maybe I'll just call it time at 70k. Mm, yeah, yeah. Check. <laughs> <laughs> what you got coming up, Eddie? Oh, Lord. I know I whine, but I've got another week of this. We're only halfway through. I've got another week. Next week gets even tougher. Um it's not just having the kids at home all the time. I love them. I love spending time with them. Um, it's the fact that, like, Morsey normally has about 3,000 people in, in their sort of, like, in-season. Yeah. And at the moment, there's about 30,000 people in the town. I mean, I can't even explain. I mean, even just driving is truly terrifying because people have got skis. They're on their holiday, and they just, like, they just step out into the road, and there's more children, and there's... Yeah. It's just carnage. And what normally takes you like two minutes takes you like 35 minutes. And then if it's snowing, people aren't used to driving in the snow. And and then, oh, it's just it's just so everything. Everything is stressful. <laughs> and, you know, me, Gary, I cope well, so well with change and stress. <laughs> My an ex-girlfriend's dad had a guest house, guest house in oh, Lynmouth. Beautiful place. But um, for someone who basically relied on tourists, he hated tourists because <laughs> they just couldn't, they couldn't function. He said, they'd just be walking in the road, Gary. I can't understand it. Why night of Monday to Friday or where they live, they'd stick you to the footpaths. You the road, would you? And you'd like round your normal, you know. No, no. Or, or is your driving just stop? Just stop yeah. the road. Yeah. Like, just at least indicate, like, I know, and they give me rage. And then I hear the kids going, oh, the tourists. Oh. I'm like, oh, God, you know, it's almost a bit. You so, be careful. Kids are always watching, Eddie. Always watching. Try and keep the cool. So, um, so I'm going to, yeah, I don't get any skiing done because it's carnage as well. I mean, you think it's carnage downtown if you headed up to, like, anywhere around my mountains. So I'll do it. I'll keep going with a little bit more. I'll do a bit more treadmill a bit more biking and um try and keep stop from getting the rage and keep working on uh what i'm going to be doing try, thinking long term about how i'm going to keep prepping towards uh april june well you've got to you've got a lot to do gary your life is a lot more exciting than mine I don't know about that but yeah i got my sister's wedding on friday so i'm super excited for that um but i've got a race the next day i've said for harry's so no you're not going to be the life and soul of the dance floor i will not be drinking (laughs) i will dance you know because do you like a bit of a dance on the dance floor well left to my own devices no i wouldn't dance but if lisa wants to dance i'll I'll dance (gasps) lisa I won second prize in the Miners Strike Disco in the local (laughs) Workmen's Club. (laughs) What song did you have to do? Routine? We need more details. Disco and some somebody from the the committee probably judged the the, the winners. It was probably all rigged. The favourites won. What's your like song of choice that gets you up on the dance floor? Oh goodness me, we had to submit some um 
songs I, I, you know I'm a bit of a metalist so, and I probably yeah, Nirvana people like that I'll get I'm up not sure it. that's going to be the opening tune no. to get everybody up on the dance floor do you like a bit of ABBA though you know <sighs> I run with a bit of ABBA and uh, oh I do like remember a band called the Blow Monkeys tell me a song Oh, I think it's called My Scene or something like that. I'm not singing it. No way I'm going to sing it for you. No way, Eddie. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but it's yeah. a wicked song. Yeah, that kind of 80s. Um, I like some of that. But yeah, anything ABBA. Well, who's not going to dance ABBA? I do love a bit of ABBA. So I've got the relays, which is only 2.2 um, 2. miles or around the Hitton Lions uh, Lake. So that should be good. Uh, but unless it's cancelled, who knows? You know uh, how it's going to go. Yeah, stormy, stormy. It's not the course should be pretty safe. It's just getting people there and yeah. back safely. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But I have got. I should have um, had a little chat with Brody for some free advice. I've got a bit of an achy knee, Eddie. Um, okay. my, my left knee is. Uh, it, it's, it's yeah. It's having a little conversation. I would say. It How goes does that conversation a, go? I'd just say, shut up, I'm going for a run. I want run a bit of rest, home. Gary. I want a bit <laughs> yeah. of rest. Shut up. I'm going to run an 87 yeah. mile week. Shut I would, up. <laughs> I would say it's about a two out of ten, um, and it does get better as I'm running. Yeah. It's so annoying, those niggles, aren't they? Because you're like, you don't want to be that person, do you? You don't want to be Pete. No. Um, but it's also like, but it's not getting any worse. It's just a niggle. Yeah. Get that, see, keep get an eye on it. Quad, um, get that quad stretch, get that hammy stretch. Well, I know it's the funny thing is it's, it doesn't give me any pain when I'm just sitting around or doing something. But say if I was going upstairs to bed, then when mm. I'm leading with my left leg, um, mm. yeah, definitely can feel it. Then. But today I consciously just did, uh, I think it was like three miles, super easy with Rex on the trails. And I would say the pain had gone down, whether it's a moment, like a temporary relapse uh, or respite, sorry. We will see. But tonight is Thirsty Thursday, so we'll give it a little bit of a get test. Get that squashing. Got to get that squashing, Gary. A test tonight. But apart from, but anyway, you know, it is a really good excuse to get my backside on the bike and do a bit more Zwifting. Um, so, like I said earlier, uh, off air. I need to be a bit more mindful with the Zwift. I'm going to train and plan to increase my FTP. Um, so hopefully weave that into my week a bit more. Um, I just really surprised how much of a routine person I am. That's really, if it's not on the plan, I just, it sits there with a towel, a stinky towel and a stinky t-shirt on it. Um, so yeah, I need to get on that. But other than that, I think I had to go to the lakes, but that, I don't think that's going to happen with the weather. It's not really. I want to film some stuff. I've been asked to film the Adidas Terex route, which is part of the Keswick Mountain Festival. Um, so I want to do that. But if it's raining, I just can't. No, maybe not week this weekend. Not the Cameras weekend. and rain don't mix. We had loads of lovely uh, messages, Facebook messages, Instagram comments about our interview with Debbie. Everyone loves the Debbie chat. Just an amazing lady but I think so many people can be like but she's just a normal lady and she just copes with everything with such good humor and uh makes it real you know and I think a lot of people think like she talks about it like just like um it's just like um so inspirationally you know she's like you know it was really really hard it was horrible but uh if I can do it like you can do it so like me people did interact with that post it was quite amazing I was surprised how much uh 
activity you generated. It was great. So thanks again, Debs, for coming on the show. And we had a lovely review from John Sink. John, I'm sorry if I said your name wrong. Uh, how wonderful. What a way to start a sentence. I love a sentence. I know it's like when you open an email, isn't it? And it starts a bit disgruntled and you're like, oh, thanks. And someone says <laughs> It starts a conversation with how wonderful. John, how wonderful back at you. Love the Debbie interview. I feel I'm ready for Spine Challenger 2024. I would say, John, perhaps you're not ready. Like maybe do a little bit more than listen to the podcast uh, <laughs> in your preparation. Also love the general chit-chatting. That's lucky because there's about an hour and a half of it today. Um, watched on OYT YouTube. Didn't know what that was, but we'll definitely would allow download to take some on my long ones. I would say do that. I'd say this is better as going through your ears and looking better at listen. Like, better listen. <laughs> I need to hear the UTMB rant. You definitely need to hear the UTMB rant. I'm over it, but uh, go back and have a listen. I think it's episode 74 because <laughs> somebody asked me the other day. Keep up the good humor. We always will keep up the good humor. Thanks, John, for taking this. Thanks, John. Appreciate that. Right, we've got a hilarious competition. A hilarious competition. Before we start with the competition, I feel I need to give you a little update. Um, people have been asking about the cheer charge mouse that ate the cheer charge bar and then tried yes. to what happened to the cheer charge mouse. Well, there's another volume in cheer charge mouse story. Um, I was getting my eldest ready for school very early in the morning last week. And I found said cheer charge mouse in the cheer charge box, which is in the cupboard behind me. That's why I'm sitting here today so I can see. Um, so, of course, being, you know, the sort of strong, confident woman I am, I screamed and said, Come on, there's a mouse in the snack box. Um, so I got my husband to come and get a Tupperware. Um, uh, they don't like to kill animals, you know, even oh. though it's caused, it's caused, it's eaten a lot of calories in our house um, and many of my snacks. I was like, let's just, let's just take it. So he hilariously, we got it in Tupperware. Sadly, the Tupperware we used for like the seconds for lunch the next day. I was like, let's not, let's cross that bridge when we next use that Tupperware. Anyway, put the fattest mouse I've ever seen. I'm not surprised. Clearly. Omega, on that Omega 3. He got it in the Tupperware. Anyway, he walks my eldest to the bus stop in the morning because it's dark and it's icy. And so off they went with this mouse. He came back. I was like, where did you put it? And he said, oh. as if it was a ridiculous question. He was like, I put it by the bus stop. I just thought, like, it's quite, I was like, can you, are you hoping that it's going to stop the bus and get on the bus <laughs> and take itself far away? Anyway, so the bus went off on a little trip. We hoped somewhere far. Anyway, <laughs> later on that day, I came back from my run. I kid you not, the mouse was on the decking waiting for me oh, it, it can't be it can't it, i was like you there can't be another fat mouse and it was literally sitting there at the door as if to go huh yeah <laughs> <I'm back." laughs> you need to get a bit of felt tip i'm vanished <laughs> he took me on a little ride of that holiday anyway i <laughs> i gave him short drift i was like shit anyway he's not been back he's not been back into the snack cupboard so whether he's found his way back into the house but i thought that was hilarious that he's taken with us and then he's come and found his way back um but it's all been quiet so i don't know what he's found something else to feast on 
Anyway, I don't mind little mouse, poor little mouse. Yeah. Time, anyway. When the mice turn to rats, that's a problem, isn't it? Oh no, no, he'd go straight in the river. Sorry, yeah. we had hope- we had mice when, when we were feeding the birds, and yeah, like I think I mentioned before, then the rats came, so we had to stop feeding the birds until we've managed a system to stop the the feed going on the floor because it's just starlings the, the sparrows and the bullfinch and all those other birds they're pretty the blue tits and all that they're great but the, the starlings descend on the bird feed and it's and just really a mess little birds. yeah oh, and the rats come that's good <laughs> that could be the start of a good film wouldn't it and then the rats go we think this is hilarious this competition so nobody else well can. it's going me or Tim it's not going to be hilarious so we've got to count <laughs> So, you know, uh, when you go to the old uh, village fairs, they do how many sweeties in a jar? We're going to do a competition. How many cheers? Guess, guess. How many cheer, cheer charge or cheer seeds are in a classic cheer charge 30 gram bar? 30 gram bar. So they're the smaller ones, aren't they? They're not the big yeah, little ones. Can you see that? Yeah. Okay, smaller ones. Um, do we need to say flavor? Should we just, just go? The classic. Just the classic, the classic 30 gram. Guess how many seasons there? And do you know who's going to count them? Gary. Or Tim. We've come up a system. So I'm going to pop a post on Facebook and you can have a guess. If you guess, well, we're going to give, like somebody might guess exactly the right um, amount, I guess. Yeah. If, well, if we get two matching correct answers or two nearest correct answers, okay. then it'll, we'll just have okay. to pull them out of a hat. <clears throat> um, well, we could take so two winners. One winner. Are we going to have two winners? Yeah, two winners. Well, as a big thanks for our super duper listeners and all the mega downloads that we've had. How many? How many downloads? Every day, every time, every day, every week when we come to a call, Gary's like, have you seen the stats, Eddie? Have you seen the stats? I'm like... I don't even know how to get on the stats. <laughs> tell me, tell me. We have smashed, not just creeped past, we've smashed past the 100,000 downloads. It's absolutely, it's over 2,000 a week we're getting at the moment, which blows my mind. It's not just, it's not just my mum and Lisa then that are downloading. There's a few more people. It's absolutely. And what, and what, go on, tell us what number are we in the podcast chats? You were so proud of this, Gary. Currently number three. Number three. In the not so heavily filtered UK running <laughs> podcast chart, um, I think that's quite relevant to us. We can't compete with Adam Buxton and Louis Theroux and people like that. We're not in that kind of realm, but the running space, um, yeah, to be number three, it's absolutely because I remember when we when we mind blowing, it is, but I remember when we first started, and I think Holly Rush, um, shared something because Marathon Talk was uh charted well. So that was only when I kind of thought, oh, there is a chart for podcasts. And um, yeah, if we got to the top 10, top 15, that was quite a big deal. But now to be for a few weeks now, we've been within the top five. Um, Come on. Come on. Thank you so much, everybody. Really, Yeah, really. thank you so much. Thanks so much. And um, keep downloading. Uh, competition closes 1st of March. That's when we'll draw the winner and you will win a box of Cheer Charge goodies. I've worked it out. Um, should I give them the no, percentage? No, 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 no. Okay, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> a teacher in you there, shushing me. I'm so sorry. If Brit Brin does that to me sometimes, he shushes me. Oh my God, does that give me the marital rage? I wouldn't like a proper shush. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I deserve to be shushed a couple of times a week. Eddie needs to be told either to get off her box or just to pipe down. Pipe down, Larry. <laughs> 
Right, everybody, that was episode 77. If you got so this far, thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for five-star reviews. Thanks again to Cheer Charge for sponsoring the show. Get counting those Cheer Charge seeds. My name is Eddie Sutton. And I'm Gary Thwaites. And let's run to the hills. Mm-hmm.